Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rose. Today, we're exploring therapy. First, let's hear from business major Marissa Pinneger, a recent transfer student who's been in therapy for about a year. I have Kaiser Healthcare and they have a mental health department. So I went ahead and just went through their mental health department and you don't really get to pick anyone. It's just kind of who they assign you to and give you an appointment with. Did you find that process to be easy? I thought it was super difficult. Whenever I talk to people about therapy, I'm like, that's one of the one things that I always bring up because it's, it's not an easy process and it takes a long time. So to answer your question, I, I didn't find that it was simple. There were a lot of, there was a lot of waiting and a lot kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for where you like get kind of passed around, you know, oh, call this person or call, you know, this line. And and that's kind of how it was for me. And then how long did it take overall? Overall, I think the first process, because they, you call and make an appointment and this was like prior to COVID. So I don't know why it took so long, but you have to have like an intake Um, and this is my experience. So I don't know if this is for every office, but, um, like an intake appointment where they kind of, uh, sit you down with an iPad and you go over this questionnaire that took about a half an hour. And then you met with someone who is going to be the person that you're regularly seeing for about another half hour. So it's not like a full traditional one hour session. And then they're like, okay, we'll see you in, I think my next appointment was two months after that. So three weeks from the initial phone call to the intake appointment, and then two months after that first kind of like meet and greet appointment. So far, have you liked your therapist? Because having a good connection is really important. Yeah, honestly, initially I didn't. I, I, I met with a couple of people and didn't really click. I guess what I mean by that is I had a hard time being completely open and honest, which you really want to be with a therapist. And so when I would uh, meet these people, I think I met with two different gals and they, um, it didn't click. So I, (laughs) to put it, you know, simply, um, and so I just would call and make another appointment for myself. And you don't actually have to do that intake appointment again so they can go ahead and set you up with somebody else. But it was about three different people until I found somebody that, okay, I think I can open up to her and I can really trust her with my with being completely honest about everything I wanted to talk about. Do you see her pretty regularly, like once a week or once a month? Or what's that schedule look like for you? So I, um, when... I was actually seeing somebody through Kaiser. I was seeing them every other month. And I didn't know that you could ask to be seen more frequently. It was um, kind of just given to me, okay, I can see you next in a couple of months. And I thought, okay, I thought that was normal until I decided to um, request to be seen, to see somebody outside of Kaiser. And so they, they sent me to another office because I wanted to go outside of Kaiser. They told me that I could review the therapists that they had in their office and kind of like what those, so I could read over what those therapists specialized in. And I found one on the list that had availability. And so I started to go to her. And after the end of the first session that I had with her, she said, I'll see you in about a week. And I was like, whoa, this is so different, you know, going from like weekly appointments to two months. And I'm like, well, I don't think I need that. So I just decided for myself that every other week was good. And so then I just plan out my appointments that way and I see them biweekly. And how has it been going? It's been really good. I 
find therapy to be extremely helpful and I am a huge advocate for it. I think that even if you don't, because there's that stigma of like people who are maybe um, have gone through trauma need therapy. And that's not the case. I think therapy can be so good for anybody, even if you haven't experienced trauma in your life, that it's a good tool to have in your back pocket because even though life isn't always stressful, it's still, um, it's still good to continue to go to therapy so that you're continuing to learn about yourself. And so I think it's been going really good in that aspect where it's taught me a lot and I am very grateful for it. And then going into as much detail as you feel comfortable with, why did you decide to start going to therapy? Yeah. So I initially, I think I decided to start going to therapy because, well, what it came down to was just anxiety and depression. They were, I felt like kind of just like a pressure cooker. Like it was just getting so intense and the depression and the anxiety and they were kind of overlapping. I mean, they kind of, you know, feed into each other. I think we all know that. And kind of one of those just breaking moments where I'm like, I need to talk to somebody. I need to figure out, and I need to get all of these thoughts in my head laid out and organized and kind of work through all of them so I could, you know, be a happier person day to day. And so there were just a lot of life changes that were going on in my own life. And, and I felt like I just, in the end, I needed somebody to, yeah, help me organize all of those thoughts, you know, and get, and get through that so I could kind of just enjoy life. So I wasn't so focused on being anxious. Now, we'll hear from Sac State senior Miguel Victorino, who's been going to therapy through Sac State's student health and counseling services. Well, if I'm being honest, there was quite a lot of different hoops I had to jump through uh, just to get an appointment. I've actually been going to, uh, I've been using their services since I've transferred over uh, two years ago. It started with just curiosity on what services were available, and when I found out that the services were free. I decided to uh, capitalize on it and just put it to good use. It was a little discouraging at first, I'm not going to lie, just because of, again, the amount of hoops you have to jump through just to get the appointment. I did go through a few uh, different therapists at the well because I'm not saying they were bad or anything. It's just like they didn't align with what I sort of needed at the time. So that's kind of how I got started. And have you been seeing the same person consistently now? Yes, I I found one that worked for me. And once you're kind of in, and once you find a therapist you can kind of mesh with, um, if you, for whatever reason, don't need the services anymore, you could just stop. And then when you need it, when you need to go back in, it's actually a lot easier to get a hold of them. It's a lot easier to get an appointment. So far, have you found it to be useful or helpful for you? I'd say so, yeah. Just because of my current like situation, as far as like my college experience has kind of been, um, I'm going through a lot of like transitions, especially in this pandemic. For a while, I kind of resented it, but uh, I kind of just thought, you know, if it's free, then it's for me. And how do you think therapy has helped with your mental health? Currently, my experiences with therapy has given me sort of like a space and an outlet to better understand the why like why am i feeling the way that i'm feeling and why am i reacting the way that i'm reacting and my approach to therapy has always just been like i'm not gonna say his name but like i'll be like hey doc like hey lately i've been feeling like this how do you how do you think i should approach um these thinking patterns how do you think i should um cope in a more healthier way 
And I think it's really important to have somebody there who isn't biased and to have somebody there who can see sort of like the outside perspective of what you're going through and to give you like an honest opinion on like how you should go about it as opposed to just dealing with the pandemic and you know just like self-isolating not really being yourself just because you don't know how to handle what you're going through for anyone who is maybe feeling a little hesitant about going to seek therapy what would be your advice to them well i think a good way to think of it is like if something in your body isn't feeling right you'd go see a doctor right so if your thoughts aren't feeling right or maybe you're just not feeling right mentally what are you going to do about it because what it really comes down to is are you being honest with yourself are you okay with just drifting along through this pandemic or through whatever it is you're going through is the self-isolation worth it are you self-medicating is that worth it like things aren't going to get better unless you do something about it and like it's scary for sure for like some people but um there's nothing wrong with it no, there really isn't. What has been maybe one of your overall takeaways from therapy? Um, I think therapy has definitely helped me understand a lot of trauma from my childhood because I think um, being a child of, Im of, of immigrants, there's definitely a lot of uh, generational trauma that comes along with it. And when you're a kid, you don't really understand how the world works. And as you know, as, as I got older and as I started taking more classes to sort of understand how things work, I kind of, I began to like question myself and like question my parents. And then through therapy, it kind of helped me kind of just understand like um, why I am the way that I am. Um, why do I react the way that I react? And I think with therapy, it reminded me that despite everything I've gone through, like I'm still my own person and I'm still me. Now, we'll hear from an expert on the subject. Hi, I'm Ryan Corbin. I'm a uh, marriage and family uh, therapist, specifically what's called an associate marriage and family therapist. So I am not licensed yet, but I am in the process. An associate is someone who has completed their schooling and has a certain amount of experience hours-wise uh, meeting with other clients, and so it's kind of the in-between. What is the difference between a psychiatrist, a therapist, and a psychologist? So when you're talking about like a counselor, a therapist, they do more like talk therapy one-on-one. -on -one. Usually weekly, you're going to meet with that person long-term or short-term depending on your needs, right? So for a counselor, they're also someone who probably has like a master's degree. Now for a psychologist, they very often will have a doctorate degree, uh, depending on the state that you live in. And, um, and most states do require that. And they're more likely to be doing an assessment for you. So they're going to be assessing for certain challenges or determine, make, actually making determinations for you in your life. Sometimes that could be associated with the law. It can be associated with um, child care, things like that. Now, when we talk about psychiatry, that's an individual who can prescribe medication. A counselor or psychologist very often will refer to a psychiatrist to determine if medication is a good fit for you. And then you kind of just said talk therapy, but there are different 
kinds of therapy, right? Not just like when we think, you know, we sit down in an office and that's sort of it. What are some kinds of other ones? So like some types of therapy besides talk therapy, we have things like play therapy, which is utilized with children more often than like with an adult would be used. Another type of therapy like equine therapy, that's utilization of like um, horses, for example. Some therapies involve like uh, what we call in vivo exercise. Usually that's done by the individual by themselves, but sometimes the therapist can also be uh, involved in introducing a client to a certain experience. For example, if someone has like agoraphobia, they may participate in helping that person actually go out into like the community or exposure therapies, like exposing them to certain phobias, things like that. They're not as common, right? Uh, as you're starting out, most people probably don't do those things. You'd have to be specialized in those those sorts of therapies, certified to be able to do them. Some of them even do like outdoor therapies where you, you go out and you do different activities to be able, and, and again, you have to be certified. You can't just say, oh, I do this now. So it's, it's a regulated field in that sense. And oftentimes people think that you should start therapy like when you're at your worst, but that's not always the case, right? Please don't do that, actually. A really common thing that we hear, right, as we are going through our schooling for therapy, actually, is that everyone should have a therapist. Everyone should be in therapy or doing some form of mental health work. Some people don't need that extensive, like, every day or every week kind of therapy. Uh, most therapy is done weekly. But, you know, if you're working with someone just to work through certain things or just to develop skills can be really helpful. And a lot of the times what will happen is someone comes in after the symptoms that they're experiencing have debilitated them in a lot of the functioning that they have in their life. And when it's at that point, yes, we can absolutely help. However, that might move into like a symptom management phase where we're, we're really focusing on like reduction of symptoms, reduction of, of the things that are causing challenges. Because again, a lot of the challenges sometimes can be lifelong. So the, the sooner that we're able to get in and do good work, hopefully the less debilitating the disease is over a long period of time, or it can resolve in a, in a way that isn't going to affect certain aspects of your life, whether that be relationships, your social life, work-related, school-related, health-related, um, and, and, and having skills that you can use more long-term to help you. And then what sort of does the process look like for finding a therapist? Like some people have insurance, some people don't. Yeah. So when it comes to finding a therapist, a really good resource is a therapist.com or psychology. You can use psychology today as well is a really helpful resource. A lot of counselors will have like a a Psychology Today website, and it gives you all the information on what they're trained in, what they're skilled in, what certain populations they work with, and background on who they are and where they are. And you can actually link right there to the therapist through the website and connect right with that person. And yes, sometimes it just looks like doing a Google search or finding what's near you. And the important part there is, is kind of have to do part of the research and see who's a good fit for you, because that's really important. When it comes to questions of insurance, uh, some therapists take insurance, some don't. As I was mentioning, like I'm an associate, so there's certain levels, right? So like trainees, they're not able to really take insurance. So people who are still practicing under someone else um, and still learning, they may not be able to take insurance on their own. 
and so like it, they may have to be like a licensed individual to be able to to be able to take your insurance every insurance has different rules i know right now with like covid 19 there were some changes in some of those rules that those are short-term changes as well so really as you reach out to therapists ask them like what insurance they take and if if they don't take your insurance very often a lot of therapists we we're kind of a community they may be able to refer you to someone who does and then sites like Psychology Today, they actually can, you can plug in that information like related to insurance and it'll show you what insurance those clinicians take. Okay, and then you kind of just brought it up, but finding the right fit for a therapist is really important. Um, would you want to explain a little bit about why it's so important to find a therapist that's right for you? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to a, a good fit for a therapist, you really want someone that you can you feel comfortable with. There's so many different types of therapy, um, different lenses that therapists use to do their work. You might have heard of some of them, like maybe like cognitive behavioral therapy is really common. Some lesser known ones, but that are still used. Um, things like strengths-based therapy or even narrative therapy. You find that you have to find a clinician that fits well with you that can help you through your challenges in a way that clicks for you. And it's also about like personality and do you get along with this person? Do you feel comfortable with this person? If you don't feel comfortable with someone, you're not really likely to explore really personal parts of your life with them. And so you're probably not gonna be able to do as good, as good work with someone that you are comfortable with. Now, I do preface that to say though, that in a lot of ways, if you were to start therapy and you're nervous about it, clinicians are trained, they're skilled in being able to build that rapport with people um, to help you feel comfortable. So if you're having a really hard time finding someone that you like, like give it a try, like try someone out that maybe you don't know would be a good fit and you never know, they might end up being like that perfect therapist fit for you. What are some common misconceptions you hear about uh, therapy? Ooh, common misconceptions about therapy. Uh, I think a really common one would be like that they don't help at all or that it's a waste of money. I don't think that's true. I think that there's a lot of value in just being able to discuss your challenges with someone and the science and it's actually a science-based field so different types of therapy um, they're evidence-based practices so most therapists will use evidence-based practice in the work that they do with their clients that have shown to um, actually either reduce completely eradicate uh, certain symptoms of specific disease right and so that's that's one and then on the other hand, we also have the uh, misconception that therapy fix all of your problem. And that again, is just not true. Um, it's a lot of work and we might be able to eradicate some parts to the disease. Or for some people, if they're experiencing just a momentary lapse of their health, right? Health is a spectrum. And sometimes we're feeling really good. We're feeling really healthy. Sometimes we're not feeling really healthy. And with some of the skills that you learn in therapy, you might be able to maintain that really healthy for most, if not all the time. And so for, for some people, they may have some additional challenges that keep them in the, the more on the unhealthy side of health, right? But with the skills that they can use in therapy, that might mean moving from very unhealthy to like maybe moderate health or being in really good health a lot of the time. And then sometimes they may fall back into that and just need that boost to get back up. And so far, what do you like about being an uh, associate so as an associate, I've been able to work with a wide variety of clients that I never thought that I would. And so 
I think my favorite part about my work is when someone has that aha moment or like an epiphany. When you see someone who's been struggling with something for a really long time or having a hard time understanding why something's going on in their life and just through the process of therapy, they're finally like, that's it. That's why this is happening to me or that's exactly how I feel. And now I can use this skill to help to minimize that challenge in my life. When you see that moment happen, it it, it makes you feel like, oh, okay, I am really helping people through this process. And you get to actually see that change in their life. And um, it's great when that actually does happen. Do you have any advice for anyone who's maybe feeling nervous or a little bit anxious about starting their therapy journey? Yeah, so when it comes to starting your therapy journey, find someone that is a good fit for you. Um, Find someone that you feel like you can relate to or that you think would uh, be a good fit. It might take a little extra work to do that research, but don't be afraid to jump in and do that. If you really are super anxious, just reach out and let them know like what your reservations are about therapy. And if you are able to get a hold of a therapist, um, they may be able to help to minimize some of those worries in regards to therapy, because it is scary. And I recognize that. And I think a lot of therapists are really willing to help you work through that part of it first before we go and dive in deep and work on maybe the the root problems, um, as they would say. Do it. Do therapy. It works. It can be really helpful. It could be really life-changing. COVID-19 has increased the level of challenge in all of our lives. I think everyone's felt it to a certain degree. If you are feeling anxious or depressed because of that, reach out. Also, if you are one of the individuals, if you are considering suicide or if you are feeling suicidal thoughts, please reach out, call the 1-800-SUICIDE-HOTLINE. There is help for you and there is hope for a future. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Talk with Rose. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, reach out to the State Hornet through Instagram, Twitter, or in the comments down below. And stay tuned next time for more.